0: Welcome to the Lions Edge, a very happy Thanksgiving from BetMGM, Andrew Dowdy and Chase Kitty looking at NFL and college football numbers ahead of a loaded weekend. We have five full days of NFL and college football. I am looking for a bounce back after the Titans debacle. Chase is looking to stay hot. Let's take a look at some Thanksgiving NFL spreads to start.
1: God, Why?
0: Then we'll get into some college football Thanksgiving spreads. I ignored a call from my girlfriend for this. Road teams, 29 and 22 ATS on Thanksgiving since 2003. And that's been consistent. There's really no period of notable success. We have phenomenal transitions on this podcast. God. No recent period of success for home teams on Thanksgiving in terms of betting. When the road team, I also wrote about this, go to sports.betmgm.com slash blog. When the road team is a favorite of three points or fewer, 8-0 ATS, Bears at line, that falls under that, Bears minus three right now, we are talking on Wednesday night. We'll see if that number changes as people wake up and bet before kickoff at 12, I think it's 12.30 Eastern on Thursday. The total 41, the over on that right now, minus 115, so that number might move again as people wake up. Uh, and see that number kind of lean into the ugliness. Let's make this very clear. Do you remember when Mike White was replacing Zach Wilson? You said, Mike White is not a downgrade from Zach Wilson. Can we make that very clear? Andy Dalton is not a downgrade from Justin Fields. Can we just get that out there right now as we get into the handicap of this game?
1: I'm prepared to argue right now he's an upgrade.
0: Great. 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 We're on the same page here. I'm going to take multiple totals here. I'm still looking at game totals, Lions totals, Bears totals. I'm very certain of that because this game is about as heavy as an ugly narrative game as you can, a highly watched game. A lot of people that might not normally bet on a Lions-Bears game will bet on this game. With that much narrative, it feels like the door is going to be open for some value. Can you push me in a certain direction with some of the totals in this game?
1: I imagine that I can. Um, I would like to start this this part of the podcast where we're talking about the Thanksgiving slate by saying something I almost never say. I'm going to personally guarantee that if you follow our picks on this episode, you will make money. That's how confident I am in this setup, okay? we I, Andrew's like loose in his mind right now because he's never heard me say that before. That's how good I feel. I
0: thought you were going where you went for the Super Bowl where I – mean. You're a very responsible better. You bet to make money and and generally entertainment and stuff. But during the Super Bowl last year, you said, hey, guys, maybe throw some money on the props. Let's have some fun with this. That's where I thought you were going. Sit down on Thanksgiving, maybe throw some stuff, maybe on a shortest touchdown, something like that. But you're guaranteeing
1: the dubs here. I feel extremely good about the picks I have for Thursday. I'm going to warn you in a broader note this week. Be very careful and maybe keep your cards short because the book's have been killing people the last two weeks in NFL. They are killing people right now. And a lot of these lines are super short and super weird. So as a general caveat this week, be careful. But Thursday, I think we've got some lines that are ripe for exploitation.
0: Let them fly. I'm pulling up my account right now. I'm blindly following you on all of this. I have some of my own plays that we'll get to for Thanksgiving. Like I said, I'm going to look at these totals. But with that Chase Kitty guarantee, I'm blindly tailing you on every play you're going to give us over the next five minutes.
1: All right. The, the bears are the side here. If you're looking at the actual game, uh, it, you already covered the quarterback angle of it here. It's not a downgrade. Don't let it don't, don't fool yourself into perceiving it as a downgrade. Chicago minus three is the side. Anytime the lions start to get a little momentum, we start to feel good about them covering a short number. They get blasted. And I'm not saying they're going to get blasted in this game, in this matchup, Cause that seems unlikely, but I do like the bears to cover a short three. I don't know what's going on with the coaching situation. I have read all of the stories. I'm not even going to try to play an angle here on that. Cause it, there's just nothing to, to figure out. I'm a guy sitting in his office in Virginia. I don't know anything that you don't know. So I'm just playing the number and playing the team. Chicago laying three on the road is the side. But the real value here, I think, is on the total, okay? Because this is an 11.30 a.m. local kick between two offenses that, let's say, charitably are inconsistent. I mean, we talked about the Chicago quarterback situation, and and I think there is some value there in terms of playing the side. But let's not mistake the Chicago offense for, like, you know, Kansas City of yore. Like, this is not a great offense. Going up against what we think is going to be Jared Goff again. I just don't see a lot of points here, especially in the first half. So this is a first half under for me. I think the number supports this, the idea that it's the 20 and a half is the first half number. They're kind of they're doing what we talk about all the time. They're positioning themselves right under that key number of 21. So you're thinking, "Oh, all I need is 14 to 7." But it's kind of a mind trick. Under 20 and a half there. I'm under 41 on the full game total. This has gone from 42 to 41. I'm guessing that there's not a lot of public money playing the early total between the Chicago Bears and the Detroit Lions. I could be wrong, but that's that's my supposition. So, unders all the way around, and I, I really like uh, the, the idea that this could just be a really ugly rock fight.
0: Let's move to Raiders, Cowboys. I'm looking at the total here as well. 51 and a half. That's going up. I think it was at 50 and a half on Tuesday. Now at 51 and a half for an offense with the Cowboys potentially missing Lamb and Cooper. Again, we're talking on Wednesday night. I don't believe a determination has been made on Lamb. I think there was a report on Wednesday afternoon that he was progressing toward playing, but short week. I don't know if that's something you want to bank on. Maybe you could wait up until closer to kickoff. I do think that when his status comes out, this line could move a little bit. I don't know if we want to get into too much about overreacting to uh, total movement when somebody like a receiver is out. I just don't see these two teams getting to 51 and a half in this game.
1: So this this is, for me, easily the most uh, confusing game of the day and the one where I might not bet on it at all. Because... Uh, as you said, there are several player statuses that are uncertain. We've got multiple offensive pieces for the Cowboys that are in question. For me, because it's a short week, even if they do play, they're clearly not going to be at a hundred percent. So for me, it's kind of like uh, it's kind of the same either way. we're We're gonna make a lot, you know, in terms of fantasy or, or whatever of uh, are they are they available? Are they active or are they inactive because of injury? But in terms of their actual effect on the game, I'm guessing that it's kind of a similar outcome is that they're not going to be 100%. They're not going to be healthy. They're not going to be effective. So that would put me leaning toward the Raiders plus the seven and the hook. The problem is when you're looking back at the Las Vegas side of it, If I'm if I'm maybe wanting to move away from the Dallas side of it, uh, the the issue there is that the word around the professional circles who are really really good at handicapping NFL and are plugged in is that the Raiders might be kind of out of it for the season. It is that they're they're all kind of checked out? It's just after the Henry Rugg stuff, it was just one too many curveballs for this season. They haven't looked very good. I mean, the the Bengals game looked like a scrimmage at times. It just they, they didn't look like they were in it, and even against a Dallas. You know, line up a, a Dallas too deep that's maybe a little banged up right now. If that's true, the Cowboys might win by 24. So I think playing a side here can be difficult. I think trying to figure out which of those realities wins out is basically impossible, uh, which would lead me maybe more towards the total, but I don't have a great feel for that either. I would lean toward the under just because I think I, I'm leaning toward. Most of the unders on this Christmas day, but or Christmas day, I'm so- <laughs> Thanksgiving day. Are you good? You want to go to Bill Saints
0: now? I-, I told you right before we started recording that I have nothing on Bill Saints. I-, I I can't read any of the numbers. I have no feel for anything in this game. You said you had something on this. I'm curious which sides you're leaning here because I have no idea. There are, again, some injury concerns with the Saints. Kind of similar deal to the Cowboys, maybe not missing as much in terms of, or at least maybe not as much uncertainty because I think Schefter on Wednesday afternoon out, uh, ruled out Camara for this game. And then Mark Ingram is questionable. Ryan Ramchick is also out for this game. So what sides are you taking
1: on this one? I, I think New Orleans is kind of broken right now. Uh, I, and I, th- I think it bears that out when you look at how they've looked the last couple of games. On the one hand, you want to back New Orleans because they've been a really good underdog this year. Uh, but I, I talked to one pro who said, Look, Buffalo's offense on an indoor track is going to be, ironically, much more effective than it is outdoors. It's kind of funny that Buffalo built this great indoor team, and then they play outdoors in Buffalo. But uh, that, that was his take, and I tend to trust this guy. So he's really big on Buffalo. If you are big on Buffalo... You have to bet it at MGM because the line here is still Buffalo by four and a half. Almost everywhere else has moved it to six. So it's great value still on the bills. I tend to be I, I tend to shy away from the number in this spot. I trust my friend's analysis, but I think the under is actually a better play. You're looking at a situation where the line has gone from 46.5 to 45.5, despite the fact that 70 67% of the tickets are. Are on the over so that's a clear under recipe to me I, I think mix in the fact that New Orleans offense has been kind of spotty without Kamara they, they've struggled to score points and we have a Buffalo offense that's certainly in some sort of regression here I trust both teams defenses this just feels like an under to me uh, in terms of how the game profiles and that lines up with where the professional money is going. So all of that adds up to me to a really clean underplay. Like I said, I like a pretty much unders across the board on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, and then some of the sides uh, look nice to me as well. But mostly I'm looking at these unders.
0: Now would you say the Thanksgiving sides look nice to you? Let's talk college football. Before we get to Ohio State, Michigan, any of these Thursday or Friday games really interest you so we can get those out first in case anybody is is crunched for time looking to bet on the egg bowl. Actually, I really want to I mentioned this to you before the show too. I really want to talk about the San Diego State Boise State line. Uh if you're good with that on Friday night, can we can we get that one out of the way first?
1: I have a ton of Mountain West notes, believe it or not. So let's please like take me anywhere you want inside the Mountain West. Let's do Boise State,
0: San Diego State. Right now, Boise State minus two and a half. The public appears to be pounding them across several books, but it's not moving. I don't think this number has moved. I'm not sure if it opened at two and a half. and didn't go all the way back, but I know it has not moved since Monday. We've talked a lot about that situation the last couple of weeks, most recently with Wake and Clemson last weekend. I think I know why Boise is two and a half. They've quietly had a very nice season. San Diego State is in the playoff rankings, but not within relevance, not within a spot that I think how many people have you surveyed college football fans right now actually knew that San Diego state was being ranked in the college football playoff rankings this year? Probably not many. They've been fairly sluggish recently. Boise is just playing better football, but this feels like that Boise Colorado state line earlier in the season where you had broke down where the book is just begging you to take Boise. And we'll, we'll see. I'll probably follow up with this on Twitter. We'll see where the, the handle ticket split settle. If this line eventually does move, but I'm looking really, I don't think San Diego State is necessarily the better team right now, but I'm looking really hard at this this San Diego State side, unless you can convince me
1: otherwise. Uh, The Mountain West has two divisions. One of them is called the West. Do you know what the other one's called? It's the Mountain Mountain West West Division. It's the Mountain Division. division. They have a Mountain Mountain Division division and a West, I didn't realize that. But the funnier
0: part is when it's the Mountain West West Division.
1: Yeah, the Mountain West Mountain and the Mountain West West you feel okay today <laughs> i've drank so many diet cokes maybe. you follow
0: college football very closely i and do and i did not know, know that yes. that it was the mountain division and the west division
1: i i mean it's not as dumb as legends and leaders but it does sound kind of stupid to have like hey we've got the big east conference we've got the big division in the east division <laughs> <laughs> like those are our division names anyway uh, I totally agree with your uh, your analysis on the two and a half part. It does feel like a trap. Boise has been playing very well recently, and I think that yeah. is is in part why the game has been hung like this. I do think it's interesting if you went to like random college football fan and you said, "Hey, Boise State is playing San Diego State this week. One of those teams is seven and four, and the other one is ten and one. Which one's which?" Like I I think some people might get that wrong. It is curious that the seven and four team is the two and a half point road favorite over the 10 and one team here. So that's one note that I have another note. That's really fascinating. This game is basically a play in game for the mountain West championship, even though they're in opposite divisions, because the the way like all the tiebreakers are right now and the way the divisional records are like whoever wins this game is going to win their division and whoever loses this game is going to be behind somebody else in a tiebreaker. So both teams have a lot to play for. I would tend to lean towards San Diego state, I think plus the two and a half. And I would not necessarily write that two and a half points off because I could see Boise state winning this by two. Like San Diego state has played very low scoring games this year uh, so, I could see something funky happening there. Would not be surprising at all. Uh, notes on the total the under in these teams' games this year is 15 and six. So, at first, you might go, wow, strong under potential here. Uh, the, the number I, I want to say is like 42 and a half, 44 and a 44
0: half. 44 and a half.
1: Yeah, 44 and a half. But Boise hasn't played a game with a total that low all season. And San Diego State, when they play a game in like this mid forties range, I want to say forty two and a half to forty six and a half, uh, the their record on the total is three and three, even though I wanna say uh their their overall under is like eight and three. So generally they they trend toward the under, but when the number is this low, it's either five hundred or there's no data at all. So it actually makes me wonder if this is a target for a contrarian over. Uh, I would not rule that out, and I would lean toward San Diego State plus the points. That that's, Those are all my notes and positions on this game. Anywhere
0: else for Thursday? I think there are two college football games on Thursday, Fresno State, San Jose State, and then the Egg Bowl, like I mentioned, and then I think, well, I don't know. 10 or 12 games on Friday. We have Iowa, Nebraska, Colorado, Utah. Anything else on those before we get to Ohio State, Michigan?
1: Uh, I want to talk about Utah State, actually, which is uh, another one of those Friday games. Utah State, 15 and a half point road favorite at New Mexico. New Mexico quietly is pretty much the worst cover team in FBS football this year. One and nine against the spread, 0 and four at home. Utah State is four and one on the road. They're a buy low candidate after they lost at Wyoming last week. And I was talking about the the funky uh, Mountain West Conference title implications from the Boise State San Diego State game. Well, one of the people affected by that game is this Utah State game because a Utah State win which they, they're they going to win this game, right? So Utah State win coupled with a Boise loss puts Utah State in the Mountain West title game. So they have all the incentive in the world to go to New Mexico and absolutely sandblast them. I am on Utah State laying the points at the intersection of all those trends, at the intersection of their conference title motivations. Give me the Aggies to win big at New Mexico. Give me, and this is one you actually brought up with me early on, also on Friday. Give me UNLV plus yeah. 17 and a half at Air Force, all right? Air you not you,
0: you didn't reply to that text because I think I said, are you on UNLV, and you asked if it was the 18 or whatever, and then you didn't go beyond that? Therefore, I took that as you don't want to talk about that.
1: No, I wasn't sure if it, if you were looking at a UNV, UNLV basketball game is what it was. So... Yeah, UNLV plus the 18. Air Force has been a good cover team this year. I've liked them a lot. The problem is they're not usually an 18-point favorite, and UNLV quietly has become a good cover team, especially through the back half of the season. So this is a situation where I'm, I'm going to go ahead and take all the points with UNLV. I love me some Mountain West this week. I don't know why. But UNLV, they're obviously not going to win this game, but I do think they cover the number here. 4-1 and one against the spread on the road. Uh, this is, I can't read the rest of my notes, honestly. So I'm just going to tell you that they're four and one against the spread on the road. And I like UNLV plus the points.
0: Yeah. I think you had mentioned UNLV a couple of weeks ago. They're playing about as well as I can remember from that program in a, a very, very long time. The one concern that I have is that they got just boat raced by Nevada recently, because I think air force is kind of right where Nevada is obviously different schemes and different type of program and all that. But my one concern is that I think air force is about as every is about as good as Nevada is. And if UNLV couldn't even stay anywhere near Nevada, but I think at 17 and a half, I'm not sure if air force is going to score like 40 in this game. And the UNLV offense has found a little bit of something that they haven't had in a really long time. So I completely agree. I think the number right now is at 17 and a half. It's been sitting there for a while. I think it opened at 18, maybe, but I love that number. Nothing else Thursday, Friday, before we get into Ohio State, Michigan?
1: I don't think so, no. Uh, Well, yeah, no, we can can go to Ohio State, Michigan. I have one other thing I'm going to save for later.
0: No signals or unusual movement worth mentioning in this game yet. Again, we're talking about Wednesday night, so that could change over the next few days. Uh, Maybe if you wanted to talk about some of the look-ahead lines, those were around Ohio State, uh, minus 10, 11. Then it was posted at 8.5 this week. I don't get that. Because Ohio State's very public recent domination of Purdue and Michigan State and them being a very public team jumping up to number two in the playoff rankings, that seems to be kind of bizarre to me. As much as I'd like to see a great game here, I do think Michigan State's defense won't be like totally gashed, but I'm not sure if I have enough confidence that they can keep this within, I think it's still at eight and a half. I just can't find a reason to take Michigan here at eight and a half. I'm leaning Ohio state, but I haven't made a play yet.
1: I too was pretty surprised. The number was this low. And once I like picked my jaw off the ground from it being a single digit number, I told myself, okay, I guess Michigan's the side because for Ohio state to have done what they've done the last two weeks and for the book to still hang this number at single digits, knowing everybody was going to come in on Ohio State. Anybody with an account was buying an Ohio State ticket, right? That made me think, all right, I guess Michigan's the side. I guess they have real respect for Michigan. I don't know if it's them smashing Maryland in a spot where maybe traditionally one of these Harbaugh Michigan teams would have uh, would have looked a little more mortal. Uh, I, I don't know what it is, but I thought Michigan might be the side. I checked around. I looked where the pro money was it is indeed on Michigan. This is a big-time pros-joes game this week. A lot of professionals are on Michigan, plus the eight and a half. I guess I'm going to buy a Michigan money line ticket. I-, I guess. I can't really see it at this point, but I, I guess if I'm going to go ahead and take the-, the plus eight and a half, I'll go ahead and buy the outright win as well, and uh, that's what I'll be on. This is going to be a play for me.
0: Glad you mentioned that pro money. I hadn't been seeing those signals of that money yet. Uh, like I said, I'll, I'm going to look over the next few days, but I hadn't seen that, so I'm glad you picked up on that. That's what's interesting. I, I mean, I know we're going to move on to a different game, but in like 30 seconds, can you explain why if this line was higher, if this line was set at like Ohio State 11 and a half, you probably would have taken Ohio State, right?
1: I think I would have. it would have been a stay away from me instead of a play. I, I think it would have been, boy, I could see Ohio State. Like if it was... 15. I would have been like, yeah, sure. That sounds right. Ohio State's probably going to blast them.
0: But the point being is that because the book said it's so low, even though you would have taken a bigger number, it's that you are trusting the book as to where they're putting their position as we've talked about so often this year.
1: It is suspiciously low. Given the history of this rivalry, given the fact that Ohio State has had two extremely high-profile blowouts the last couple of weeks. Yes, 8.5 is is suspiciously low to me. What is the rest of your card here? And is Houston-UConn on it? Houston-UConn is not on it. Uh, I'll tell you what American game I do have, though, and it is the University of Cincinnati Bearcats going on the road to the fight in Mike Houston's. ECU, if they win this game, which, of course... They probably will not. But if they did, your pirates would be eight and four. Like, yeah. and that is pretty impressive given that they started the year by playing a fairly non-competitive game with App State. Uh I, I am pretty surprised by that. And if you've been watching ECU, we have talked about them a couple times on the podcast on the Thursday episodes. The second half of the year, they have been just a cover machine. Uh they got they got messed up by the hook against navy last week but here they are in a nice underdog role mike houston knows how to coach in big games they're catching 14 i believe that's down from 14 and a half and cincinnati has not covered a conference road game all year and this is obviously the toughest conference road opponent they have had so i like ecu plus the 14 here uh Interesting notes on uh, Liberty Army. I go back
0: to that for a second? Do you have the public money available for that Cincinnati ECU game? I don't have that, but I would assume that everybody was waiting for that game from Cincinnati, and we got it last week with the SMU game. Right, and
1: now I'm kind of wondering if, yeah, I see where you're going with this, and that's what I was wondering. The public has to be all over Cincinnati here, right? Uh, I'm seeing 61% of tickets on Cincinnati. I'm
0: surprised it's not higher.
1: Yeah, honestly. I mean, that's it's it's obviously like that's the public side, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was like 68. That I, that would be, I think, more in line maybe. Liberty, minus three and a half against Army. It is an eye-popping line, especially after they got just smacked around by Louisiana last week. Uh, Liberty having to lay three in the hook against an Army team that is very capable. 90% Andrew Dowdy count them. of tickets on this game on army plus the three and a half line has not moved. So even though I am kind of surprised uh, about what happened last week and I am a little bit reticent to go back to the well with Liberty, I feel like given the profile of this handicap, you have to bet Liberty in this spot. You have to.
0: Yeah. It's one of those positions where, even though the football doesn't say this is going to happen. If you look at, and I should pull those trends at, at some point here, when the line doesn't move, when the public is like 75 plus percent on it, if you blindly play those every single week, you're going to
1: win a lot of money. Rivalry stuff. Just a couple of notes here. Uh, I, a couple of these I feel really good about. Some of these, it's it's going to be more of like, a just say, hey, one unit and and you know have a position and let's keep it moving. Uh, Florida State at Florida, obviously after the Dan Mullen news. I like Florida State plus the three. Both of these teams are five and six, so they are playing for bowl eligibility. And beyond the fact that I'm taking an underdog in a rivalry game, which is always a good idea, uh, this is more a situation of Florida State's trending up, Florida's trending down. So I'm going to go ahead and back Florida State. I pretty much think the only reason Florida's favored is that the fact that this game is in Gainesville. auburn at home catching 19 and a half against Alabama. Give it to me. That is way too many points. Like it that's one of those lines where I'm like he, like okay, you know, you say stuff like this and sometimes you you get burnt and you look like an asshole. But the sports book that sets this line at 19 and a half like, have you watched the Iron Bowl before? I'm I'm
0: taking Auburn in Tuscaloosa at that number. I was on Arkansas last week. I didn't feel awesome about it at plus twenty. But if Auburn was at Alabama at yes. nineteen and a half, 100%. I'm taking Auburn. Yes. One hundred percent. So I don't understand why this number, but does this go into the territory of what you were just talking about with Michigan where it's so high that I wonder what's going on here?
1: Uh I mean, I guess you could make the argument. I would argue that Auburn has lost its luster from where a public opinion had kind of peaked around it, which was late October, early November. Alabama has, you know, playoff potential at this point in terms of the the way the path is going. But I feel like you've got to throw all that out. I mean, this is the Iron Bowl. So it, usually it is close. Tickets are about 50-50. Uh, and, and I just give me all of those points and give me a competitive game between an Auburn team that is, that is once again being undervalued. We know they generally play pretty well at home. Alabama hasn't won an Iron Bowl at Auburn in like six years, maybe eight years. So the, I mean, 19 and a half is a lot of points. And I think they have some real defensive question marks. So yeah, can I, can I do a sidebar
0: side. off of that game really quickly? Please. So BetMGM has the SEC Championship odds posted because that's already set. Georgia right now is minus 4. They're going to go to Georgia Tech and just obliterate them this weekend. I think I mentioned on Monday's episode, I'm not expecting a 55-0 beatdown that Notre Dame gave them, but it will be pretty close. I actually do like Georgia to cover. I think they're at the 35 or the 35 and a half this week. That number is going to move because I'm not expecting Alabama to look that good against Auburn. And if I'm right with that, Georgia is going to be more than a 4-point favorite. So if you agree with Chase and I that maybe Alabama is not going to look all that great against Auburn, I mean, do you think that Georgia is going to obliterate Georgia Tech? I assume you do.
1: I would not be surprised if Georgia Tech covers that game because wow. if you're Kirby really? smart, so here's my thinking: if you're Kirby smart and the SEC championship game is already uh, set, see what you're going. Yeah. Why are you going to play your starters for a massive amount of time when the game is? 13 to zero at the end of the first quarter, I'm pulling my starters because why it's, it's a basically meaningless type. If Georgia lost to Georgia tech and beat Alabama in the sec championship game, you think they're Still in the won. playoff? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So of course I'm sitting my guys down and I'm getting other people, some PT. And that I think is the path that Georgia tech covering.
0: Okay, I see the argument for that, and I think it's 100% fair. I still think this line is going to move. I, I I just don't think yeah, it's going to Yeah, I think your be, point about
1: that is a good one. Is, I don't it, think it's
0: going to be minus four next week. I think this is going to be closer to six or six and a half. And you can if you can get Georgia at four right now, totally I think agreed. that's probably as good a value as you're going to get. I mean, we're still 10 days, 11 days out, so obviously there's a little bit of risk with that. But this number is, not, I mean, talk about a guarantee. This number is not going to be for a kickoff 10 days from now.
1: Totally agree. Even if you don't like the Georgia side, take the Georgia minus the four, take Alabama plus six and a half a week from now. And right. you know, worst case scenario, you're burnt on, uh, on one of the tickets and best case scenario, you got a free middle attempt at, you know, at two and a half points. So that's what I would do. Love it. Where are you going? Virginia Tech at UVA in Charlottesville Commonwealth Cup. I am on the Hokies. It makes me somewhat ill to say that, but UVA is not super healthy right now. Uh, you knew the let's play tons of different quarterbacks all over the field experiment was going to have some sort of negative regression at some point. And we are seeing that in Charlottesville right now. Uh, I don't buy the idea that Virginia Tech is playing out the string on a lamb duck coaching staff. This is a rivalry game. It's very meaningful in the state. These teams do not like each other. These fan bases do not like each other. It is a football rivalry. There is some classism involved. It is ugly. They don't like each other. In that scenario, I'm almost always taking the dog, right? I'm almost always taking the team that's getting points, hoping for a close game. In this case, I'm getting a full touchdown. I think Tech can win the game outright. Like I said, UVA is not healthy. That is the side that I'm on. A uh, couple other ones where I actually like the favorites. Uh, Oklahoma State is laying four against Oklahoma, and I am taking it. Our friend Philip from 1012 DM me this week when he was listening to our Monday podcast, and he said, You know, stop saying nice things about Oklahoma State. I'll believe it when I see it. Like, don't tell me Oklahoma State is going to win this game until there are zero seconds left in the fourth quarter of the game and Oklahoma State has more points. I fully appreciate his perspective on this. I get what he's saying. All I can tell you is that Oklahoma State, in every phase, looks like the better team. Uh, Oklahoma has just been coasting on fumes and way overrated all year. Their offense is not right. There is other stuff going on there. I, I don't know how much of the Lincoln-Riley stuff to believe, but it just it feels like this team has never been right, and Oklahoma State is not only better, but has a lot more to play for at this point. So laying a short number, I like the Cowboys. Uh, one other one that I like, kind of a weird one that's, that's down the board a little bit, but Notre Dame is laying 19 at Stanford. You don't have to believe that Notre Dame has a real shot to make the playoff, but you know Brian Kelly has those guys believing that they do. And if they go to Stanford, which is probably being overrated as a place to play at because of the Oregon loss, the the Stanford team, uh, team, much to Andrew's chagrin, is not very good this year, and I do think that Notre Dame not only is Good hey, My to... ticket is still alive. I
0: mean, they're still three and eight. I still have a
1: ticket. They're still alive to push. Okay, sure. If they beat Notre Dame, <laughs> which I don't see happening. But wouldn't that be crazy if they pushed on four with wins over Oregon and Notre Dame? <laughs> Talk about the most unexpected shit you could have possibly. I mean, I
0: started burning that ticket after they got slaughtered by K-State in the opener. And then after the Oregon win, I thought I was pretty it. good. Yeah. Turns out.
1: Nope. No, so probably not. I-, I do think they're good enough to win by three touchdowns, and they certainly have the incentive to win by s- three touchdowns. So I actually like a small play there on Notre Dame laying the 19.
0: Can I have a fandom hedge this week? Talk about just having fun with betting.
1: Oh, sh- I I like where this is going. G- please.
0: I'm not betting on West Virginia. I was going to the Gophers-Badgers game,
1: actually. Oh, okay. Well, then I I care less, but go ahead. I'm
0: actually surprised you didn't mention that game because the total is only 38 and a half. I believe it's the lowest total of the entire week. As you have said, almost every week, there's a total that low. There is a reason why it's that low. I don't think we need to explain why it's that low. The Gophers offense has not looked great, especially against decent defenses. We know why that total is low. I don't know if I'm going to take that, but I think I am going to take the Badgers at six and a half. As you said, uh, say fairly often, many, many units on that. That is a personal hedge for me. If they cover the six and a half, Great, I win money. If they don't, I think the Gophers win. I'm fine with that.
1: Uh I think uh I think that's probably a good bet from you. Wisconsin, it's hard for me to handicap them. I mean, I've definitely hit some bets on them this year on, on this in this run they've been on. In certain spots, I've really been able to read them well. But the second half of the season, they have been so much better than they were the first month. Yeah. And sometimes when teams drastically evolve like that, I think I struggle to handicap them. That's that's not something I'm super awesome at. Uh, so it's, it's hard for me to know, is 6.5 the right number for this evolved late-season Wisconsin team? If I had to bet it, I would take the 6.5, and, and maybe even I'd have a parlay on the 6.5 and, and the under. But that, uh, it sounds good to me, but I'm admittedly, I'm acknowledging that I've had some troubles here with Wisconsin and other teams that have, you know, Colorado state is another one where like they've had multiple swings throughout the season where they've been like really bad and then really good. And then kind of bad again, Toledo still have no idea what happened to them. Northern Illinois is another one where just all over the place this year. So, uh, I I like it. But I could be dead wrong. I
0: was leaning toward just the Wisconsin money line. line. know that you're going to rip on me for even considering that heavy of a money line at minus 250. Else. But I think at 6.5, I do think it's the right number. I'm more saying that because I think Wisconsin either wins this game by 14 or they lose. I know that Minnesota went and played a close game against Iowa. I think that's a little bit different deal. I have a lot more respect for the Wisconsin defense. I've said this before, usually when Minnesota looks good early, they look good throughout the game. I've done well live betting them this year with the exception of that Iowa game, but I don't see a close game here in terms of a Wisconsin win. I could see a close game in terms of a Minnesota win. I'm just going to throw a personal fandom hedge
1: on there and take Wisconsin at six and a half. Let's go back to Friday, Andrew, and your Nebraska Cornhuskers. They are at BetMGM as of right now. I don't know about when you're listening to this, but as of right now, they're one a one-and-a-half-point underdog at home to Iowa. I love Nebraska in this spot, and so do a lot of other pros, because they are smashing Nebraska across a bunch of books. Nebraska is actually now a favorite at some books, so this is another case where if you're going to bet it, get the best number that's out there. That's at BetMGM. Get them at plus one-and-a-half. Uh, absolute smash spot for Nebraska. Uh, they are playing better than Iowa right now. They have been a very good cover team over the back half of the season. So I like them here. You know what? Forget about the points. Just take them on the money line. Just take them outright to win.
0: Let's talk NFL 11 Sunday games this week with those three Thursday games and obviously Monday Night Football. So a little bit lighter slate on Sunday, Monday Night Football Seahawks at Washington. We'll discuss that first thing on Monday's Monday morning's episode I want to start with Titans at Patriots. And this is a game that I've mentioned to you offline a couple of times. Titans plus six and a half at Patriots. Road dogs of at least, or excuse me, of exactly six and a half. This year, seven and one ATS. Last year, two and seven, 2019, five and one, 2018, seven and two. These are some of my favorite trends. When you're coming off of one outlier outlier season, which clearly 2020 was at two and seven, Everything else has been dominant for road dogs of exactly six and a half going back farther than that too. I only went back four years road dogs of six and a half have been very profitable. Even if you go either way to six or seven on the line, a road dog of six, six and a half or seven, not much changes there. I know you've said before, you're kind of done trying to figure out the Patriots. This isn't so much a Patriots thing for me here is that you're getting value and I get that they lost to the Texans but you're getting value at a team that for a team that I still believe is a very good 12 ish win team. You're giving me almost a full touchdown. I'm fully playing the Titans here.
1: Yeah. Look, I think Tennessee is the right side here. I think you're getting massive by low potential after the Texans game. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about the the Texans Titans game here in a second, but getting Tennessee at six and a half is exactly where they've been a great bet this year. The problem is, as you alluded to, I have said multiple times this week, last week, publicly, uh, privately to you and like Microsoft teams and Slack and other places. Like I just, I got to stop betting against the Pats because it's, it's gotten to that point where like they're super hot. I mean, some of the statistics that Mac Jones has right now and this offense has right now, it's like, historically great for a rookie. Do I think Mac Jones is the greatest rookie to ever play quarterback in the National Football League? No, I do not. So you know it's going to stop eventually, and I think you can. it's fair to criticize some of the teams that the Pats have piled these stats up against, but I'm tired of losing money going against them. So I think the Titans are the side I can't guarantee that I'm going to bet them just because I don't want to be on the wrong side again. And having said that, I'm probably not going to bet it and then the Titans are going to cover.
0: I just can't decide if I'm bitter about the Titans costing me with the spread last week, and then in, I think I had them in one, maybe two parlays, so I don't know if I'm reaching here, but it at least makes me feel good to say that the
1: Titans are the right side here. I, I think for that me, that. Uh, fine, yeah, that's fine. I think I'd rather have the under than, than a side in this game because, first of all, fun fact, researching this, Dating back to the beginning of 2018, how many times do you think these teams have played each other? Four times. They've played four times since the beginning of 2018. How do I not remember any of these games? I know. But that's the, th- that's the case. They played four times. Under is 3-1 and one in those games with a net average cover of more than four points. So these are low-scoring games, which isn't surprising given that both teams like to play ball control, run the clock offenses. So shorter possessions, shorter games, the under is three and one in the last four. And the number is down from 44 and a half to 44, despite the fact that 73% of the tickets are on the over. I'm on the under.
0: Do you want to talk about why we are both on the under on this Rams Packers game?
1: Uh, are we both on the under in this Rams-Packers yep.
0: game? Yeah so, the, yeah, so the total opened at 50, I think. It was at 49.5 or 50. I took the under at 49. It is still dropping. It's been dropping all week. Sharp movement, steam moves, any signal you could want in an over-under coming on the under. Right now it is dropped to 47.5. The Packers have held steady as a one-point favorite. Packers' offensive line is in absolute shambles. Packers' defense isn't what we saw against the Vikings. The Vikings just made plays. The Packers got pressure. They contained Cook. So I'm not worried about another 30-point game on a fairly chilly, fairly windy afternoon in Green Bay. That's uh, an outdoor stadium in It Green is. Bay.
1: In case you're not familiar with the NFC North, that's an outdoor stadium, just so you know. I'm taking the
0: under. I got it at 49. I still might if you haven't taken it yet. I would even consider the 47 and a half. Why are you on the under with me
1: here? I got to tell you, it sounds like this is a good recipe for a counter overplay, uh, depending on where the line falls to, because if it keeps going down, you just named a lot of key numbers that this total fell through. So I'm not telling you you're wrong to have your under 49 and a half or whatever you have. I'm saying if it gets to like 46 by game time, it might be an over 46 for me. What else is on your card for this week? I think if I'm betting that game I actually want the Rams um, off a of buy and that the plus a half which is where it's at right now just kind of funky just kind of like a seems like a little Packer's magic trick line situation so I they? I think they're like plus 105 or maybe minus 105 on the money line uh, I, I would be looking at that side of it uh, we've talked about Green Bay's injuries talked about it last week when I said you should bet Minnesota uh, they're not healthy. I don't know what the hell is going on with Aaron Rodgers' <laughs> foot. I I did not ask for that many foot photos to be in my feed today, uh on Twitter. If if I woke up and you told me, Hey, I'm Andrew from Twelve Hours in the Future, you're gonna see a lot of foot photos in your Twitter feed today. I would have been very suspicious of the details. Like that You know, I
0: get he was doing that to be like an asshole about it, but it was still pretty funny.
1: I'm I'm waiting. I haven't seen one good OnlyFans joke yet at, come out of that whole like here's my foot situation. And I gotta say, I'm pretty disappointed in the internet over that. That's that's very disappointing. My two best bets, and I said at the very top of this podcast, uh, I would be very careful this week. All right. I, I think I think a lot of these numbers are very sharp, and you should be careful. Keep your card short. The two must bets I have on my card this week are. And I'm talking about the Sunday games. I'm drawing a line in the sand from Thursday to Sunday. You got to bet Indy plus the three. You got to bet Denver plus the three. Two home dogs. We've talked at length about Tampa's problems trying to cover on the road this year. Uh, They are not a great road team against the spread. I think Indy's live in the game. I think they're playing very well right now. Ball control. They can win outright. The defense is salty. And then Denver plus the three. This is one that I didn't feel as good on, and it's more about just following the money. There is an absolute ton of sharp professional money coming in on Denver plus the points here. So I th- I'm i taking plus the three on both games. I'm taking the money line to win outright on both games. I bet I get at least one of them, if not both of them. A couple other ones that I'm looking at, I actually, I think it's really just the, this Jets-Texans game that I need to talk about. Uh, yeah, no, that's not true. But... Jets-Texans is a fascinating game. If you're a regular listener of this podcast, you are very well informed about my obsession with the AFC South this year. Um, Obviously, Houston coming off the the big Tennessee win. And all of a sudden now, they are favored to get their third win of the year. Getting closer and closer to making me look like a huge asshole for spending a whole lot of time in the offseason talking about how Houston under four and a half, or whatever the number was, was an absolute lock. Like it might I believe still be.
0: The, I believe the uh, I believe the actual quote was: "If this number was two and a half, I would take the under."
1: <laughs> I think you're. I think you're right. I'm happy that I will not be financially held responsible for that statement. Um, here, look. Here's the deal: Houston beat Tennessee last week, despite the fact that they were outgained yardage wise. 420 to 190. They were plus 5 in the turnover margin. That is the only reason they won this game. Tennessee could not stop giving them the ball. So, to win a game against the current number 1 seed in the playoffs with 190 yards of offense sounds like a stat from 1968. So, that aside, I, I think you have to be very careful taking a position on the Texans here with the number down from three to two and a half. I think it's reasonable to back the Texans, but that old school style of handicapping is going to tell you it's two bad teams playing against each other. It has to be jets or pass. You cannot possibly lay points with the Texans. I think that is a good perspective to keep in mind. I would listen to arguments on the Texans at two and a half simply because the whole, like, I, I've, I've spent a lot of time, I think, here and, and on other shows and other podcasts talking about how Tyrod Taylor is one of the best value-added quarterbacks in the league in terms of uh, performance relative to expectation. So that's an argument I'm willing to hear for the Texans at two and a half. But the old-school argument here is you cannot take the Texans. You have to either bet the Jets or leave this game alone. One other thing, uh, in that vein different game but but similar philosophy the eagles are playing in new york this week divisional game the giants are getting three and a half points uh this is a classic hook spot where uh they're they're making you if you like philadelphia which obviously the public and some professionals who just love philadelphia every week a lot of people are holding eagles tickets this weekend they're making you lay the three plus the hook because they know going in laying the line that the ticket advantage is going to be on Philadelphia here. So they're making you buy the hook, but there are some professionals on the giants here in this spot. I don't really understand it. Uh, To me, I'm seeing a team that's on a short week coming back from Tampa after Monday night football. That looks absolutely listless on offense. I get that. They just fired Jason Garrett, but I mean, they hired Freddie kitchens to replace him. So I I don't, I mean, okay. (laughs) I don't even know what to do with that. Uh, it just, that's a sharp spot that I I just can't, I can't buy. I can't follow that. This is a stay away from me because I'm not willing to lay the points with Philadelphia either. I am playing the Eagles in a pick 'em league that I'm in with my friends where you have to pick five winners every week. I think under 46 is a great bet here. Looking at the fact that it's a divisional game looking at the history of the scores in this rivalry, uh, I think that is a great spot to buy into, but in terms of a side, I cannot take a position in this.
0: You know when the Giants hired Jason Garrett, what it reminded me of? Just giving up. When the Red Sox hired Bobby Valentine, <laughs> everybody was like, "What? Guys, this this isn't going to work. Like, what are we doing here? Why?
1: Why?" It didn't work. How do you feel about the conspiracy theory that Jason Garrett actually got together with Jerry Jones and decided that their plan was to sabotage the Giants from within by getting getting Jason Garrett a job as the OC there?
0: I'd rather talk about Santa Clara basketball than talk about that. Hey,
1: they're pretty good. Good, good. West Coast Conference, covering like crazy. The Gonzaga trickle-down effect.
0: We're going to be on Twitter Spaces Saturday, what, 11 a.m. Eastern? Half hour or so, answering questions, talking about college football lines. I think we have, like, 55 games. No, we have those games spread out Thursday and Friday, but we still have, like, something 50 or 55 games coming on Saturday. We have some FCS playoffs on Saturday, too, maybe. Woo! Those lines should be up uh, Saturday morning. So join us on Twitter Spaces, at BetMGM, where you can get there from any of our accounts. If you have any questions for Chase before... Thursday games. If you have any questions about Thursday Thanksgiving spreads.
1: I'm going to leave this podcast right now
0: at chase a kitty on Twitter. If you want to talk about a specific game and then we'll be back on Monday, looking back at the last regular season week in college football, looking ahead to a very crucial, critical college football playoff rankings on Tuesday and then looking ahead of those conference championship lines like I mentioned that Bama Georgia line already up there right now Georgia minus four but those I'm sure will get posted once all those matchups are settled so we'll be back on Monday thank you for listening to the Lions Edge